my gorgeous Balanced Ballerinas community. How are we all doing this week? Look, I'm not particularly into astrology or anything like that, but students keep telling me that the moons are doing crazy things right now. So maybe that's why everything seems a little crazy or, I mean, maybe it's because we're biting off more than we can chew and not creating space for some perhaps rituals that ground us. Look, I have my hand up right now. I know you can't see it, but I am 100% guilty of this right now. There is so much going on in Balanced Ballerina's world and I just feel like there's not enough hours in the day. Does anyone else feel like that? There is just not enough hours in the day to get everything done, (laughs) but I'm getting there. One thing is that I just announced that my adult ballet company is back, the adult ballet company which is a performance opportunity for my in-person adult ballet students. I'm going to post um, some throwback photos actually this week. By the time this episode drops, they'll be on my personal Instagram at The Balanced Ballerina. And whenever I do post these kinds of photos, I have Balanced Ballerinas from all around the world in awe of this opportunity. And if you are part of a studio that offers adult ballet, like I encourage you to just just float the idea with your teacher, you know, to give you this opportunity if it's available as it really is a rewarding experience. There's probably a few teachers that will hate me for saying this for you to float the idea because it is a lot of work. It's so much work, but it is incredibly rewarding. It's so rewarding. Look, I know I'll probably get lots of questions now that I've brought this up about my adult ballet company. So to give you sort of a quick rundown of the ABC, as we call it, um, back in 2016, after a lot of requests, I started the adult ballet company to basically give dedicated students the opportunity to experience the stage. And the ABC performed at both uh, local Estedford and my GC Dance end of year concerts every year, basically until 2020 when COVID obviously forced a bit of a hiatus on everyone's plans. And then during this time, we also lost our beloved community member, Kathy, to cancer. And personally, like if I'm honest, I was just too heartbroken. I was too heartbroken to continue the ABC without the reason that really I began it in the first place. So for those that are new to the Balanced Ballerinas community, I did dedicate a whole podcast episode to Kathy. It's number 50 and you can listen to her beautiful and inspiring story if you type in Dearest Kathy and it's episode number 50. It really is a beautiful story and I still get really lovely messages about it and um, it's just how I honored her life and I'm so glad I have that memory there. Now time has helped this wound and I believe I don't know it feels right now to resurrect the performance opportunity for the community and so yeah that's happening. (laughs) Everyone's pretty excited Um, but yeah on top of that though Um, this Friday I'm also launching my free five-day bounce ballerines challenge. So If you were listening to me talk about the ABC and wishing you lived on the Gold Coast in Australia, well, the next best thing would be to participate in this challenge, which by the time this episode drops, sign up will be tomorrow. So Friday when my newsletter comes out. So what's included in the five-day challenge? Well, each day you will receive a 20-minute ballet bar. 
You'll get a 10-minute body conditioning practice and you'll also get a peace and plies checklist. And only those that sign up for the challenge or any of my courses in the future will know what's on that checklist. And you'll also receive some journal prompts. So it's really important to note that there's no special equipment necessary. It's all designed for home practice. So if you are an in-studio ballerina or if you are an in-person student or if you are a home student, it doesn't matter. Like this is designed um, to either be part of your home practice or your home practice or to, you know, um, supplement your in-person classes. So all the content is on demand and you can do it, like I said, from the comfort of your own home at a time that suits you because I feel like that's really important. Everyone has different things going on, different lives, children, jobs, all sorts, and you need to be able to carve out some space in your day for you. It's just so important, but that looks completely different to everybody. So I really wanted that to be an important aspect of anything that I run online is that you can do it in your own time. So the launch link will arrive in your inbox this Friday. Now, if you don't feel called to sign up and do it like to, you know, this week, um, obviously the challenge starts next week, but if you don't feel like you have the time to dedicate to it, because it is a challenge, it is more of an intense, it's actually more intense than my 12 week course I'm creating. So that you sort of have a whole week to work through each module. The challenge is more of like a intense introduction to basically the balanced ballerina's method and my way of doing things. So if you feel like you don't have the time to, you know, dedicate five days to it, um, which let me just also say it's, it's only 30 minutes. It's 30 minutes of movement. But I totally understand if you are in a part of your life where it's like that is just too much for me to handle right now that's okay yeah and so this opportunity will always be available but I just think it is so much fun to all sign up on Friday and do it together as a group um, I have been testing it out and doing it myself this week and you'll have a lot of support so if you sign up on Friday I can't wait to walk you through the challenge and all you need to do all you need is you need to carve out 30 minutes each day for yourself and you just need to have signed up to my Friday newsletter. So if you're signed up to my Friday newsletter, you will receive the link starting this Friday for you to click and register. As simple as that. Okay. Um, people have been asking me for an online opportunity for such a long time now. And this is the launch. This is the launch of this space, this new Balanced Ballerinas Online Academy And I can't wait to connect with basically all my balanced ballerinas all around the world and have you taking class with me, essentially. So it's really, really special. And yes, make sure you are signed up to the newsletter. You can go to www.balanceballerinas.com. At the moment, there is just a simple sign up form at the top. Pop your email address in and you will get the link on Friday. Exciting. Now, today we have a special guest on the podcast Virginia, aka Demi Point Dancewear, is a name that has come up on the pod many, many times. As Virginia was one of my very first adult ballet students and one of the OGs, and she began her small business out of my small business 
which is now Demi Point Dancewear. She specializes in beautiful custom skirts and she is now also venturing into tutus. I always receive messages from people in the BB community about students' fashion and in particular everyone's skirts. And they're almost always from Virginia who creates custom bespoke designs to really just suit a variety of ballet bodies and tastes. Personally, I own many Demi Point dancewear skirts and they just fit me just beautifully. Yes, um, she does an amazing job. But it's about time. It's about time that I got Virginia on the podcast and it's an absolute honor to share her story. Virginia is a wonderful, wonderful client, student, friend. She's a huge part of my studio and it's very essence and I just can't thank her enough for the support over the past decade. The best place to connect with Virginia would be to head to her Instagram at DemiPoint underscore dancewear and find the links to her Etsy store there. And I also know that she would just love for you to drop into her DMs and say hello and talk about maybe creating a custom design for yourself. She posts all all around the world. So if you live somewhere else other than Australia, don't worry, she's got you covered. And I think you're just going to really enjoy this chat and this conversation because too often it's very difficult for me to put myself in the shoes of a adult ballet student beginning their journey. And Virginia makes some beautiful points and has a really lovely way with phrase and a way of explaining Um, what's going on inside an adult ballerina's brain and she is a beautiful reminder to me about what is going through your brains when you take class and how you feel when you step into a studio and basically how much the experience means to you so I think you're really going to love this one have a wonderful week and enjoy my conversation with Virginia welcome to the balanced ballerinas podcast Virginia Thank you for having me. This is awesome. This is so overdue. Very much so. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's a kind of a big treat, actually, to be sitting and talking to you and talking to the rest of the community. This is, this is awesome. Well, I mean, I mention you so many times on the podcast, and that's why this conversation is so overdue, because mm-hmm. I'm always like... Virginia at my studio, my adult ballet student, our our go-to gal, our demi-point dancewear, you know. And so this this conversation is long overdue. So I'm so glad we're sitting down to finally have it. I do have a list of questions to keep mm-hmm. us on track, but I feel like we're just going to have a nice conversation. Really. Like we normally do anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Because I see you every week anyway. Yes. And we always have conversations constantly. So yep. it's just like hanging out. Yes. So we should give this some structure. Okay. Because there, there are so many new people to the Balanced Ballerinas community that maybe they haven't heard me talk about you before. And so let's start with the fact that you entered my ballet class probably what? Day one. Day of one. Of you doing adult ballet. Was it the very first class I ever It held? was. I remember because I sent you an email saying, hey, I'm really nervous. I haven't taken a ballet class since I was a child. Can I come in and watch for the first class? And you were like, nope. No way. You've got to come in and do it with me because it's my first time teaching adults too. I'm so bossy. (laughs) But the funny thing is it hasn't changed. No, it hasn't. So if people message me and say, Georgia, can I just come and watch? I say no. No. 
And the reason being is because it's actually not because I'm bossy. It's because my adult students don't want someone sitting in the corner watching them. I couldn't think of anything worse than having someone sit up the back and watch me do what I do. And no one does that with like Pilates or yoga. No. Like I would never think to go oh, I'm really nervous to go to this hot yoga class. Do you mind if I just come sit on the back and watch? (laughs) Like, that's never going to happen. Yeah, I think it's still, there's a bit of an elitist barrier, even though we come in as adults and we know that we're never going to be a professional. There's still almost a little bit of a stigma of we're in somebody else's world and do we have to be good enough to start true because I was practicing like first and second position at home and teaching myself how to do a plie and a tondu and going through all the terminology so that I wasn't going to be a fish out of water in my first class I love it yeah that's see and this is why I really wanted to have this conversation too and that's why I also like talking to specifically people in the adult ballet community because that doesn't cross my mind. No, you started as when you were three. Exactly. So, and I came back to dance. I had a couple of years when I was a child in jazz, but even with that, I started really late. I think I was eight or nine, and I only did it for three years because I was never the dancer's body shape, and teachers and students let me know that when I was dancing. Really? Yeah. So I was going to ask you, that was sort of my first question actually, was what was your experience as a child, mm. you know, so growing up dancing? I, I talked to mum about it a little while ago and she said, you know, you always wanted to do ballet as a child. And I said, really? Because they let me do jazz after a few years, but they decided not to let me do ballet because of my build because I've always been a slightly shorter, stockier child, by no means overweight, but just different and not the typical balletic child. And I think even though I'm shorter these days, I was one of the tallest in my age group as well. So I was noticeably different. And in my year group, because I would have been dancing through school, was the daughter and the very good friends of the daughter of the dance teacher. And they were elite level kids. So, and they were, they were kind of the school bullies as well. They had the typical snobby, clicky attitude that me being a farm girl who was always really independent mm. and really knew who she wanted to be and didn't have time for any of that kind of thing, I wasn't going to mesh well with it. And mum and dad decided to keep me away from that side of things. So I ended up in a year group down. So it was your parents' choice that you didn't do ballet? Yes. Okay. If I, apparently if I had had it my way, I would have done ballet and I would have done ballet every day. But I ended up in jazz. I loved it despite the fact that I was being bullied in class and the teacher just kind of let things go. Mm. Maybe if I was being more generous, I'd say she didn't know how to deal with and manage that level of interaction with those kids. But... It did contribute to me not continuing dance when I changed schools. So I was getting bullied at school as well and I ended up changing schools in grade seven and I didn't continue dancing after that. So I went through the rest of primary school and then high school kind of feeling a little bit empty, like I wanted to do something creative. I was always involved in musicals, in singing, in choirs. I was while I was also an honours student, I was also very artsy and I was always hiding in the art room. Mm. And I had a very good friend in my last couple of years of high school who was a dancer. 
specifically ballet, and she was training three or four nights a week. She, at that stage, was not going to do like the professional route, but she was going to keep it up for another couple of years after school. Mm. Um, and that kind of gave me the window of, that's right, this is what I used to love. Yeah. And this is what, even though I was a bit of a slower learner with it, this is what I loved and what I could do and what my body wanted to do. So even graduating high school, I always knew that I wanted to do dance in some form. I just didn't know how. And there was nowhere really around at that time when I was in my late teens, early 20s until 2013 yeah. when you started. So, you know, you quit dance in grade seven. Yeah. So the next time you step into a proper dance class was mine. Yes. At 23? 23. Because we're the same 22, age. 22, 23, yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel really privileged. <laughs> <laughs> I had been looking around for other classes. There was a couple of other places, but they didn't really match my vibe. So that's what I wanted to ask. Mm. Like, A, how did you come across my classes? Because I wasn't really advertising them very well, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, social me- my social media was certainly not as big as it is now. How did you, A, come across it? And B, you said that it was, you know, you had been looking at others, but they just didn't sound right. What was the difference? It felt a lot more down to earth, even with just our first couple of emails of, hey, this is what I offer. I think there must have been something on Facebook. And okay. I had done like a really deep dive. There was two places up in Brisbane offering yeah. classes. And then there was you here on the coast. And I'm like, well, I'll start with Georgia because she's local. And then if I want to make the trip up to Brisbane, I guess I'll do that because I was willing to travel for it and work for it. Um, But just your first couple of emails, you felt really genuine in wanting people to like this and enjoy it. Oh, I'm glad because I have no recollection. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were probably talking to another 20 other people at the same time saying, please come to my class, please. Probably. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like I, when I started that first class, it was only because a parent at the studio said, can we have an adult ballet class? And I was like, really? Really? And you know why I started it was because my dad said, you need to have another sort of stream of income in the studio because I had this, you know, beautiful big studio and with only... I think I had 50 students at the time, yeah, school-aged students, and which is crazy now. I thought 50 was Compared so many. Compared to how big it is now. Oh yeah, I gosh. know. And so it was more of like out of necessity. And it was mm. like, oh, if I have to. And now it's just such a, a big love of my life that you, it's crazy. That You said the stats last um, podcast, something like 500 adult ballet students. Yeah, so there's been, there's been 500 people through the books just since Glowfox. Oh really? Yeah. So so, so they would the actually. So there would be more than that. Mm. Um, there would be more than that because before I had the manual booking system. Oh gosh. Yes. So yep. Um, you've been with me the whole journey, but yeah, it's interesting that you say I'm. You know, was more down to earth than other places that you inquire. And I guess I don't know. Have I changed? No. Is it the same? Because I no. feel like I'm the same. It's it's funny. I was thinking about that. So what's changed about the studio in 10 years? Certainly not you and your attitude towards teaching dancers. Yes, it has developed and become more refined and more mature. But You'd you've want always, it to, though. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially since I've been here nine, ten years now. Mm. Yeah, you want that kind of growth, but you haven't changed in your approach to how you teach mm. and how you treat us with a lot of respect. Like you take us seriously for wanting to do dance and you can tell the ones who 
want to make this a serious hobby, like the people who come three or four times a week or have private lessons, and you let us put energy into that and you encourage us and facilitate that amount of energy and effort being put in. And it's, it feels like genuine. Yeah. That's the only word I can use. I think um, when it comes to adult ballet, but also I would argue with anyone studying ballet, no matter what age, you have to sort of strike that balance between, and I guess that's why we're balanced ballerinas, but striking that balance between taking it seriously and putting in the effort, but also just enjoying yourself. Because I wanted to ask you as a student of adult ballet, a, a lot of the time I get, messages that say what's the point so I mean pardon the pun like yeah. what's the point you're not going to become a professional you're not going to be um, necessarily performing on stage so what why bother learning ballet and I mean you know my long-winded answer to yes. that I've done a whole podcast episode <laughs> like why does my ooh now husband I was gonna say boyfriend oh my gosh. Um, why does he surf like mm. if he's not going to become a professional surfer well because he enjoys it for you why do you keep coming back for the last decade to weekly ballet classes? Like, what is the point for you? I think it is incredible for my mental health. Um, Over the years, you've probably seen me struggle with a lot of anxiety, um, which is something that I've battled since I was in my late teens. And there are two things that I attribute to really breaking me out of that cycle of anxiety. And the first thing is being out in my garden and getting regular exercise and sunshine through that. But the biggest change came when I started dancing here. It was really a turning point of moving my body in a way that felt right for me, that there was no pressure on me. Yes, you have certain expectations and we learn things and been here for so long, you say, right, you want to develop this, we're going to work on it. Um, but it's, it, I find it very soothing to have that structure and that outlet it's had a huge impact on who I am as a person and I think you said it best when you termed it moving meditation Mm. you literally can't think of anything else when you are dancing there are too many things going on where are my feet where is my rotation what is my arm doing in this position what is my epimon doing where am I supposed to be looking as opposed to just doing the motion there is no room for anything else in my brain and using something physical like this as a way to switch off my brain has been really positive. Mm. It sounds like for you, you feel at home. Yes. Like comfortable in a ballet class. You feel like you've found your people. Kind of, yes. I'd never expected to find my people in a dance studio. Um, Throughout high school, I was always sort of torn between the arts world and places like this, but also being very, very academic. Mm. I was very pushed down a more rigorous route where it was highly competitive and you didn't really build connections in the ways that I have here. I've found almost a family here. There's there's Mm. been people that I've been very close to over the years and especially the people who have been here almost as long as I have or just as long as I have. Mm. We've been here seven years together coming to class seeing each other regularly once a week that's more frequently than I see my best friend at the moment (laughs) yeah it's pretty crazy yeah that's why I always say ballet friends are sometimes the best friends because it's like you have this little language that no one else knows except for you and you either get it or you don't don't. like 
and maybe that's where people go what's the point you know yeah actually it's probably very similar to you know like sudoku books oh god yes like dan yeah. dan does sudoku like if we're away on holidays and he's like do you want to do this one with me i'm like no what's the point <laughs> and I sudoku like, can be a bit of a cult and, very and competitive i and i just don't life. i don't get it i don't i don't see the no, point of it i'm like me neither i'm like is this moving the needle in my business no <laughs> but then you know someone would say to me well georgia that that you know doing that is good for your brain and, and mm. relaxing and i mean that for me is a nightmare but for yes. him that's relaxing so yeah. I guess it's like each to their own. Yeah, this is my switch off. This intensely physical thing that is using a lot of brain power is actually letting me switch off my brain. Yeah. And it's it's weird the way that works, but it's it's incredible. Mm. So how did Demi Point Dancewear come about? So that started around 2014, 2015. And I spent the first couple of years dancing with you not knowing what to wear. What did you wear? I can't even remember. I think I got the only two leotards that were in a size extra large. I am a curvy person who fluctuates between size Australian 16 and 20. There are very limited dancewear options. I've never really enjoyed wearing tights. I'll wear leggings and even athletics wear back 10 years ago wasn't Mm. really size inclusive. So I wasn't finding anything. So I had those two leotards, um, some Target tights, leggings, which are still my go-to for ballet. So they're made of cotton, they feel amazing. Um, I think that's what Nana wears to ballet. Yeah, they're really comfy, they're stretchy, and they give you coverage, which you don't get in regular ballet tights, which is important for a lot of your adults, feeling like, "I, I kind of want to be just that little bit more covered. And from the dancewear brand that I still really love, Energetics, they had two ballet skirts, one long, one short, that went into a size extra large, and they were both black or navy. Mm. Kind of boring. Yeah, I know the exact ones you're talking about. We use them for, like, exams. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They kind of fit, but they are very much cut for a young dancer. Mm. And especially back then, there was nothing in a size extra large. Absolutely nothing. So I was like, I want to feel good. And I don't want to feel boring when I'm in class. Mm. And if there isn't something there, I'm going to make it myself. Because you were the opposite of me. Like, I mean, everyone knows that I'm just a black gal. Like, I love everything in black. I'm literally wearing black right now. Yes, you are. The most exciting part of my outfit is my sneakers has like a a pink pink band at the back. (laughs) That for me is like outrageous. Um, I can imagine you quite frustrated yeah. because you wear lots of color and you've yeah. always got like I mean your hair's purple at the moment yes, like it you is. know and and you always have glitter and stuff yeah, going on and, and crazy earrings and so for you I can imagine having the option of just a black or navy skirt is yeah very frustrating especially when you could see all the other colors that <laughs> yeah. were in the smaller sizes yeah and it's still the problem that exists is that it's still a niche but it is growing and energetics has recently Um, introduced a sizing guide for bigger women saying right here's the best line to give you the most coverage and support and being a bit more open about that that but the development in mainstream brands is very slow Mm. and I think for the first little while they didn't take adult dancers seriously I would argue they still don't yeah they do now now that it's becoming a bit more profitable yes yeah they're realizing that you know whilst whilst dance mums will buy lots of things for their younger dance students, mm-hmm. adult ballerinas love spending money on themselves. Yes. And I have been telling them this for many, many years whenever mm. I've gone to conventions or met up with 
people from well, I won't I won't say particular brands, but particular brands that I've met with, and and they sort of never took it seriously that that I was telling them that is your target market. Yeah, it's a huge target market because we have our own money and our own disposable income. Hopefully, exactly. It's only been the last couple of years where they've started talking about adult beginners doing point work which mm. is something that you've been talking about for the last five or six with your point classes. Mm-hmm. But I just started making skirts for myself and getting some fabric from the local fabric store, trying out what shapes I could make with it because I had virtually zero sewing experience before I started Demi Point Dance where it was a very steep learning curve. And then... Oh, really? See, I always thought you were... No. Like a sewer nope. for life. <laughs> nope. I mean, I've always had a sewing machine at home and I've sort of potted around, but that sewing machine was mainly used to repair horse rugs. Growing up on a farm, it was horse rugs. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I love it. And that's how I started. It was the same sewing machine, thoroughly cleaned of horse hair, but still, that's how I started, was, a, was the family sewing machine. And I came into class one day, probably in 2015, after about six to eight months of starting to wear these awesome skirts Mm. with crazy colours that adults just could not get in the right size. And one of our awesome students, Kathy, Mm. rocked up to class with a bag and said, here, this is fabric, please make me a skirt. And there was no negotiation in that. It was, yes, there was a please involved, but it was a, you're going to do this and this is going to be your first sale kind of thing and sometimes you just need that push yes I've given you a few pushes over the years (laughs) the next sentence out of my mouth was going to be between you and Kathy you have been quite a driving force behind Demi Point Dancewear and the decision to go into tutus now was almost entirely down to you over a period of about two years and that helped me sort of build my confidence to go and do a tutu making course was started out every six months you'd say you should do tutus look at these costumes you could you could do that and then you started sending me photos of tutus (laughs) and then it was literally if you were going to do a tutu making course this is the person that you should go to the course starts in two months you should do it Mm. and I remember saying to you I know it's expensive but sell your first tutu and it's paid for yes exactly and it's I haven't looked back Mm. Yes, the tutu business is much slower than the adult dancewear business, but it'll come in its own time and it gives me the chance to be more creative with the things that I am learning how to make Mm. and really sort of find my own niche within that world of making tutus as well because there's, there's quite a few of us in Australia doing custom tutus and it's a very difficult world to break into as I've found out over the last couple of years. Yes. Um, but... You have to offer something different. And I think that's like any business, you need to offer something unique. And for me, the core of that is making dancewear, particularly skirts that can be worn with anything, whether it's a leotard or active wear, Mm. that flatter adult bodies rather than the preteen aesthetic of being a twig. Mm. Because if you're over a size 12 with some of these dancewear brands, there's not much for you at all. Yes, no, definitely. It's funny, um, I reckon in every class that I teach, you know, say there's 20 women, at least half of them are in one of your skirts. <laughs> it's it's a really awesome day where I walk in and I'm like, that's mine. Does that that's feel mine. really good? That does, actually. It would it, feel good. It really does. And it, it took me a while to get confident with it as well. Yeah. So I started making them for myself in like late 2014, started selling them here. 
in 2015, I think it was another year in 2016 that I started the Etsy store and the Instagram properly yeah. and started marketing it. Even though I have a degree in communications, that social media marketing did not come easily. And mm. it's still something that I'm slowly building. And I, I think that's because when it's when it means so much to you and it's personal, it's a lot and like when you've created it. Yes. It's a lot to market that. It feels very and a lot of people I don't think really talk about this. It feels really icky at first. It's it does. like really icky. even if people are asking for it even if it's in demand you still feel icky going buy my thing yeah yeah <laughs> i think as a small business owner we all experience that it's really mm. difficult to say hey do you want this can i sell you this no you, you kind of have to get through that and it took me a while to do that before i was like yeah i've got an etsy store buy my stuff please mm. um speaking of even just the clients here at like our Balance Ballerines HQ, um, who would own, does Toyo own like the most skirts? Yes. Easy. She overtook Kathy purely because she's still here. <laughs> How many skirts did Kathy have? Kathy had over 30. Like That's I got to the point where I would find a fabric that goes, oh yes, I like this fabric. I'm going to add it to the collection. Then I would stop and think, I've got to make a sample. This is something that Kathy would like. I'll make it in her size. And almost always I'd get a message from her saying, hey, could you bring this into class? And I'm like, well, the sample is in your usual size, so I'm more than happy to bring it in for you. Because she was so tiny. She oh, was so petite. Yes, and it was just the coincidence that her size looked really good on my dress form too. Mm. So it was like perfect sample size for her. Um, for those that are, because there, there's just so many new people to the Balance Ballerines community and people that I've been getting so many messages lately, which is quite nice. Like, yeah. oh, I've just discovered the podcast. And oh. they're like, I'm starting back at episode number one. And I think, oh, God, oh God what did I lot. say? No, no, not even that. I'm like, what did I say? Um, please don't start at number one. Um, but for those that don't know, so if you listen to the episode, Dear Kathy, um, you will find out Kathy's story. But um, we miss her very dearly. But very she was the ultimate adult ballerina. And oh. I I just love that she was the start of your business essentially really yeah, she really was yeah it was a light blue tie-dye fabric that I actually still have one of um, she got it as a custom order and said you know people would buy this people would like this and overwhelmingly she has she had so much elegance and class and Toyo is the same they pick things that I wouldn't necessarily pick that end up going gangbusters. Mm. And I've actually got Toyo is bringing in a, two, a, a skirt for a pattern. She's getting me to make two more tomorrow. Of course she <laughs> so, is. How many skirts does Toyo have? Are we allowed I to lost, know? I lost Or count. is that like client privilege? Uh, <laughs> I joke about it with her. So I'd say she probably has upwards of 30 now too. Oh my gosh. Her leotard collection is to die for as well. Yeah. 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 I um, I was going to ask you, how long does it take to make a skirt? Um, when I first started making them, it would take me all day to make one. And there's a lot of technology has gone into that. I've now got um, different sewing machines, which make my life a lot easier. Mm. I think I can probably get five or six done in a day. And that's from blank sheet of fabric, to cut spin. out to the right size, to the right shape, and then shaped because every single piece of fabric, unfortunately, sits differently. So even if you cut it out of a pattern, you've kind of got to hold it up and shake it out to make it make sure it's right. And that's the difference between the stuff that I make and a commercially made skirt is that they should mm. sit really well on your body. 
Then it goes through an overlocker to do the hem and then I hand pin and hand sew the waistband. So yeah, five or six in a day is a busy day yeah. and is something that I'm capable of these days. Um, in peak periods like I've got a bulk order of 14 skirts, that's going to take me a good two weeks to get through because I'm going to ombre dye them as um, a custom order. That's special. Yeah, very, very special. That's very To match cool. a leotard colour too. So you now post skirts all around the world. Yes. Which is so very cool and so exciting. I'm yeah. so proud of you. Thank you. But they are available through Etsy. How do you find you – you were telling me the other day about Etsy World. Yes. And how strange it can be and sort of the – sort of like – unwritten rules yeah sounds like a bloody ballet class to be honest it is and right now it's in a bit of a state of upheaval too because etsy has changed some of their policies and they're now taking out a huge commission from us yeah so and i don't think people think of that no there's so many fees that go into running an etsy store they start out small like it's 20 cents for a listing like anything they suck you in yeah And then you've got the transaction fee and the GST fee that goes on top of that. It's not GST. There is a fee for processing your GST. And then you've got the commission on top of that. So it's frustrating because they kind of do control a lot about your business. Mm. Like they are based primarily in the States, but around the world as well. And they've got sellers from around the world. And they are the biggest marketplace really for handmade sellers like me it's etsy or you do it your on your own mm. platform which but is then the hell. problem with that is i guess you don't have people typing into no etsy exactly ballet skirt and you yeah. won't pop up if you go out on exactly. your own and yeah. their interface is really user friendly mm. they they've got it down pat with how you do your listings and stuff like that so i do really appreciate that but there's little things like because it's based in the States, they prioritise your listings if you give free shipping to the US. In Australia, to ship something to the US, it's about $20. And that is the cheap economy route. And how long does that take? That takes anything from one week to four weeks, depending on what's going on globally. Mm. And if I try to ship something to... I've had a couple of orders to Japan and South Korea um, in the last year. So COVID was playing havoc, but one disappeared for six weeks and that even had tracking on it and insurance because I was scared sending three skirts over to Japan yep sure enough it goes missing for six weeks and that's because you have to make decisions on how you ship your things and what is affordable for both yourself and your customer because if you try to charge $25 for shipping you lose the sales pretty easily. Mm. That's getting into sort of the nitty gritty of yeah. owning a business and the kind of decisions that you have to make. And the average person who's buying your products doesn't really take that kind of thing into account. Yeah. yeah. I That was one of my questions I was going to ask you and we sort of just organically spoke about it was the what's the hardest thing about having a small business? Asking people for money mm. and getting people to understand what they're getting for their money and if you try to raise your prices you lose sales for like two months Mm. I had a big pricing restructure around the beginning of COVID which not only knocked me because I had restructured my pricing but then COVID hit and I went from 2019 being my best year and starting to see some real progress in sales and yeah it's still small compared to a lot of other businesses but it's 
it's more than enough to keep me in ballet classes and to buy me a new pair of ballet shoes and a leotard, mm. which is kind of the goal of my business at the moment. Yeah, and see, keeping me in ballet. that's another reason why I wanted to have this chat today because I wanted everyone to know about the heart behind your business. Oh. And no, really. Yeah. And just like I think sometimes people do look at businesses and, and they think, oh, like it's a big business. Like yeah. you have a very boutique business that serves yes. a very specific need. And anyone that is listening, if you buy a Demi Point dancer skirt, <laughs> no, that goes back into you participating in ballet classes and buying fabric and bringing some joy to your life like it doesn't pay the bills (laughs) I may have just gone to spotlight before this interview and got some glittery fabric to finish off a skirt for me exactly and so I don't know I think I'm I mean you know me I'm a huge supporter of small business and I I love the feeling that it that I have from buying something from a small business I mean a perfect example is my bespoke ballet bar yes like I could have gone to any of our big sort of wholesale ones like where I buy ballet bars for our studio and got a a, you know one that was a lot cheaper Mm -hmm. but I love the story behind bespoke ballet bars and they're just you know they're about I mean I'm lucky they're an hour and a half down the road so I could go pick it up um but it's like a piece of art it in is. my home. It is, and you can home. customize the color and yeah, the and shape I, of it. It's yeah. they're really awesome. I know. Bars. And when I went to go pick it up, like I met them and we had a good chat, and you know, and then we organized a discount code for everyone, which is what is it? BB twenty. Twenty. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hang on a second. I'm about to give everyone a discount code. Um, Might have to edit that BB twenty. No, it is. It's, it's BB twenty for twenty dollars off. It is. Just came to me then. I've got a few discount codes swirling around in my brain. It yeah. is BB twenty for um, twenty dollars off your bespoke ballet bar. But point of my story was, every time I look at that bar, I'm proud. Yes. Like I'm proud to own it. Yeah. And so I think with your skirts, it's a really similar story. Like when I wear your skirt and someone asks me where does everyone get their skirts from like a new student I'm like oh Virginia Demi Point Dance where I get them onto your Instagram you know they get all excited about supporting somebody at the studio that makes the skirts and they get in contact and it's just it's a it's a feel good purchase yes and that's what I really wanted this brand to be about particularly for people who are a different shape having that experience of it being custom made to you. Like if you don't fit in my size range, I will make something to fit you. Mm. And I will ask you for all kinds of measurements to make sure that it is the right shape for you as well. Mm. Like I've got um, somebody here who will do in-person classes tomorrow. Um, The skirt doesn't fit quite right and she's not confident in it. So I'm happy to take that back and remake it for her. Mm. And Gosh, you won't get that service with any of the big dance oh, no. but I'll come in and with my tape measure and I'll measure people up and I'll hand out my personal skirts for them to wear during class to see if they like the fit mm. and see how it, how it looks on them. Because some of these women who are buying skirts haven't bought anything like that before. Either it's their first time doing ballet or it's their first time as an adult buying their own things doing ballet and looking around them going, I don't fit in here. Or I don't look like these other people. What is everybody else wearing? Mm. You can guarantee I'll spot a new leotard from a mile away and go, hmm, see what shape that is, see what brand that is. And I think a lot of people do that too. 
Yeah. I'm so oblivious, <laughs> as everybody knows. That if I actually, actually, I can spot the difference between a really nice black leotard. Yes. And oh a, just a black leotard. Bodil is doing some amazing leotards. Amazing. And they're a friend of the podcast, aren't they? They you've sure are. Of, yeah, you've got some of theirs. I'm actually waiting. They've, I've just opened today a beautiful gift from them. Like, oh. you have no idea. Like, stunning. Um, and I'm just waiting on them to give me a discount code for everybody because I know oh, that's, that's so many people love Our their brand. Our studio will go and buy their warm-up pants. Mm. Sauna yeah. pants. Sauna I've spoken pants. about them on the podcast before. Yes. The first time I actually spoke about Bodil on the podcast was me mispronouncing their name. their name and so they actually sent me a care package and <laughs> schooled me Here's how to pronounce sound schooled me on it yes yeah. but no we have a, a good relationship now and so I want to pass on pass on those positive uh dancewear vibes to everyone else they're going to give me a discount code but yes no I just love the ballet fashion but I also love that like especially these in the in-person classes here people maybe there's that perfect balance there's people like you here that have ballet fashion like down packed to a fine art i wish but then there's me who's just in like active wear so people have permission to show up either or yeah they I can think, wear what makes them feel comfortable yeah, and confident i have thought about this a lot like i don't know whether now that i've pointed it out you'll probably go oh yeah probably I think if I showed up in a leotard and tights and a skirt and the full shebang, I think the point of entry would be a little bit more intimidating. Yeah, I think so as well. But And I certainly notice that when you're wearing, you have a wonderful bodysuit that you've been wearing lately. Love my bodysuit. Yes. And I'm like, that is a change for you because you have always worn activewear and then you started wearing my skirts as well over the top. And that almost gives people permission to mix and match as yes. well. Yes. Yes. Like you don't have to wear a leotard and ballet tights. You can wear a leotard and leggings or mm. a leotard and a skirt and go the traditional route. Or you can wear full active wear with a skirt chucked over the top. Mm. It's about being comfortable in your own skin in the studio. And I love, I love that about, you know, our community that everyone really, there is such a mix. There is such a mix. Everyone just wears Huge what mix. they're comfortable in and. And perhaps, like, without realising it, I've sort of given people permission to do that. Yes, I think you have. And then they're more inspired by you guys in all your <laughs> ballet fashion, to be honest. Talking about that, Roberta, one of our other long-termers, yes. she has gone from being a diehard, I will only wear active wear, to wearing leotards. I know. And she wears a wonderful purple matching set of a velvet leotard, leggings, and one of my purple skirts. And purple point shoes. Purple point shoes. Those damn purple point shoes. Every <laughs> time I put anything on social media, like a video with Roberta wearing the purple point shoes with the purple leotard and the skirt and everything, I get so many messages. Like, honestly, my DMs fill with where are those purple point shoes from? And then I have to sit and reply to everybody. <laughs> you need to have like a default response program. Well, the thing is, somewhere. I don't know. And Roberta's not on Instagram, so no. I can't throw it to her. I'm pretty sure it's point paint. There you go. Yeah. I just say, oh, I don't know, but they're fabulous, aren't they? Yeah. I know her black ones she painted with point paint. So there are brands that you can get pre-dyed, but they're a specialist order and hideously expensive, or you can just get point paint. Mm, yeah, coloured point shoes are, are a whole headache. Yes. I Speaking of social media, mm -hmm. what's your relationship with social media? It's actually changed quite a lot in, say, the last year. 
it's gone from I've never been a huge social media person we grew up in the same kind of timeline Mm. of when we were young it was MySpace and Facebook was just taking off and I think we're part of the first group of entrepreneurs to really start using social media as a mainstream thing and then the big companies as well but we've been there since social media has started and I've always been very critical and very aware of how skewed social media can be. I don't actively engage in Facebook, even though I have a Facebook page. I only started that Facebook page um, when I was at uni. I had no social media Mm. and I was doing journalism and we were sat down in one of our final year journalism classes on, it was then termed backpack and multimedia journalism because online journalism was only just starting to take off and I was told, you are a journalism student, you need to have a Facebook and a Twitter. Cannot stand it. It's I just, don't have Twitter. No, I've, I've got a Twitter that I only used for my journalism degree and that's it. I have no idea what the login information is, probably doesn't exist anymore. But the one that I do engage with on a daily basis is Instagram. And I think that's a more positive platform um, in some respects. Mm. Because it's more photo and now being pushing the video base, it's very aesthetic, Mm. which is both positive and a negative, especially for somebody who has anxiety and who struggles with body confidence. Um, This year, it's been a turning point in that I am more accepting of my body and putting my, my own personal photos up online for my business. Um, if you scroll back through my feed, very rarely would you find a photo of me. Mm. It's all of the fabric, of the skirts, and of other people wearing my skirts. I didn't really want to wear my skirts for photos when I was doing like the listing photos to advertise them. I didn't feel like I had the right body type because I was still sort of feeding into that there is a certain image of what a ballerina is or what a dancer is. And over the last year, I've just thrown that completely out the window. And I think that comes with a lot of growth and also seeing that over the last couple of years with the pandemic, there are bigger things that we need to worry about than how we look and Mm. how people think we look on the internet. Yeah. And I think the, there haven't really been any, or maybe one or two negative comments about bigger dancers online for me because I'm a smaller smaller person but um, it's been overwhelmingly positive putting myself out there a Mm. bit more doing some photo shoots towards the end of last year when I was traveling for work Um, and and they're beautiful images and it's very inspiring for people to look at that and I can see in some of those photos that I've taken recently I actually look happy Mm. I'm not hideously self-conscious and then, oh my God, I've got to post this photo because I've got to advertise the business so that I can actually make a living kind of thing. It's feeling a bit more comfortable in my own skin and being aware that social media, unfortunately, is not reality. Mm. And having that awareness and that relationship with it, that social media isn't be all and end all, especially for the young kids these days who are growing up almost exclusively on social media yeah, and seeing that day-to-day for the interactions with everything around them. It's not real life and it's good to have that barrier between it. Being able to, yes, use it and engage with it and enjoy it 
Yes, I'll mindlessly scroll through the Instagram feed. Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> it gets you. It's it's literally built to suck you in. And then you're like 45 minutes later, what have it's I like, done? Why? Why? I had things to do. <laughs> so much to do. Yeah. But having that awareness of that it's not real life mm. and there is a world outside it and you need to be aware of what it can do to your mental health as well. Yeah. I wanted to ask you as a, as a student of mine, for however long and you've seen how I um, will film tiny bits of class and it's all of two seconds yes like no one actually I mean most of the time you guys don't even know if I'm filming and it's like five seconds ten seconds because I've had some people ask um, you know oh like do you film like lots of parts of the class and then just share little bits I'm like no I just know sort of all oh, this everyone's doing a really good job of this I'll just sort of pan the room and that's it yeah and to be honest like I probably for those that look at my social media it probably does look like I film a lot but I actually don't I probably looks like you've had like a filming day or yeah something, but I know I probably film one class like a couple of seconds once a week yeah so like if I film intermediate plies the next week I might film the beginner ronde jambe exercise or the following week I might go oh it's about time I probably share some of the advanced point class Mm -hmm. and so if you're in my classes like you probably only if you are in it you only get filmed maybe two seconds yeah like maybe maybe a couple of times a term um a does it how do you feel about that because I've been talking to a lot of friends lately who have been starting adult ballet classes especially specifically Mm -hmm. and we've been really discussing you know the action of filming your students because I have found that about 50% love it Mm -hmm. I have people that will be like you haven't filmed our class in a while like I'd like (laughs) to be on your social media but then I have 50% that probably would prefer not to be filmed so it's sort of but then you also want to advertise your business it's so balance and debate isn't it yes so I struggle with it all the time Mm -hmm. like I'm curious especially you know we're both students of communication and journalism and and we both run small businesses what but then you're also a student in my class how do you feel about me pulling my camera out for five seconds does it worry you no it doesn't and I think that's because I have a bit of trust in you I know that you would That's wouldn't. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would hope I bloody have some trust in you after 10 years of being taught by you. But I know that you're never going to put anything up there that would show either bad practice or me not looking at my best. Mm. You wouldn't show it when a student is struggling or when they don't feel comfortable. I think one thing that is really good about your classes as a whole is you know how to read a group of adults. You know when they're feeling good. You know when they're feeling comfortable. You can see when they're struggling or when they're feeling confident. And generally, you only film when we are at our peak. And we're also fairly well distracted when you film. It's only because... I pick my angles. You do. And you're very, very good at that. Like, I've spotted you every now and then um, because I know that we are on fire. And it's more I'm hyper aware in class of everything that's going on around me as well as mm. you probably also know me too well yeah too. I do I'm like oh this would make a good shot yep she's got the camera <laughs> yep, I've done that twice when Anna and I were standing side by side and matching outfits yeah I'm like hang on she's walking my d- oh yes she's got her phone <laughs> and you're like yes thank you Georgia yes I am gonna make this plie the best plie you have ever seen 
Love it. And actually, um, I reposted that from you or you sent me the video of that particular clip. And it's been one of my more popular reels that I've put up. Like I get maybe 100 likes on one of my reels. Mm. I'm still a really small page. But that one's still going after two weeks. Like I think I'm up near 400, which is kind of awesome. That That people are liking seeing two very different people doing an exercise and obviously focusing and working really hard. And that's the sort of internal monologue I have is that you you can't be what you can't see. Exactly. So I have someone who has probably been teaching adult ballet as long as I have, maybe a little bit longer actually, and we sort of had – it wasn't an argument. It was like a a positive debate. (laughs) Which we can have with our friends. Yes, exactly. And she doesn't film anything. So she will do like a professional shoot maybe once a year for her adult ballet students. And – And that's great, but I feel like there is a power in real time. Yes, absolutely. You know, being able to, and they're very posed, like Mm. they're very posed photos and video. And it's very much, I don't see as variety as what I do in the classes that we have. And so it's it's really, it's so hard. I find it such a difficult debate. And especially as the Bounce Ballerinas community is growing and I, guess that's why I wanted to talk about it too is because as it's growing I'm becoming every time I post a video of my students me I couldn't care less if someone yeah. says oh look she's her booty's jiggling or like that's or weird says, what she's, she's wearing got a, or her feet aren't doing the right thing yes I yeah. couldn't care less no. I just I don't monitor it at all but if someone says something about my students I will absolutely block and delete that yes, so fast, so fast. Like one of the videos that I've put up recently and I will not, cause I don't want to bring any more attention to it, um, has got over a million views and I am watching those comments like a hawk Yes, because I just, you know, you can have, I think there's like 500 beautiful comments. You and can have one. two that are like awful. Yep. And so I think to myself too, like, and this is something I'm really exploring is just like, how do I really feel about this and the sharing? And should I be sharing my students? Because I don't want to expose them to something that they never asked for. Mm. I obviously always ask their permission, yes. especially if it's a single shot of a single person. And they're always usually really happy, quite thrilled <laughs> to be on there. They go, oh, no, I don't want to do any more photos. And that's yes. fine. You respect that. Totally. And so it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because yeah. I just – and I think that's what everyone loves about the Balanced Ballerinas community is that you can see what's possible. Yes. It's very down-to-earth compared to some of the other studios where it is very, very polished. Yeah. It feels more human and more accessible. I guess it's that whole breaking the elitist barriers down, which is what's been the point from the beginning. But it is so hard. It is so hard. It is so hard. And you get that moral debate of Mm. should I be exposing people to kind of scrutiny? But you're doing – here's me putting on my um, media law hat because that was my other job. (laughs) That's why I'm asking you. (laughs) Is um, you do best practice, which is moderate like a hawk. I think Mm. I have seen one negative comment and you snap that off straight away you are very very protective of your dancers what's very nice is these days the bb community is so awesome that usually other people jump in before i even get there yes and we'll flag it and we'll say hey something's going on (laughs) which is great i wanted to ask you what's the hardest thing about being an adult ballet student like what are you hard on yourself about oh i see i've got perfectionist tendencies and i think a lot of adults struggle to start because they think they aren't good enough Mm. i think a lot more of us are perfectionists in our lives than we would want to admit 
And again, that's been a change over the last year, is me saying, I need to really address my, the elements of perfection that I have and mm. my relationship with this idea of being perfect. I think I have started recognising maybe over the last 18 months or so that it's not about an end goal. It's about the journey. Mm. And it's about a steady, sustained growth, not perfection. Perfection is like this unrealistic target that we set ourselves. The journey and change and seeing what is good for our bodies and good for our mind, that is by far a better objective or a better, better goal than some, I want to have my uh, grand jetés at 90 degrees or I want to have um, my grand batmans going up my shoulder. Mm. Is that realistic? <laughs> no. But am I seeing really positive change in my extensions and the lines of my legs and the lines of my body because I am working slowly towards a target in some way? And a yes. personal target. A personal target, yes. Mm. I'm not someone who is overly competitive in class anymore i used to be very very critical and very much compare myself to the best person in the room but i think in my journey i've sort of accepted myself a lot more in that i am here for my own purposes my journey is my own other people's journey is very very different they have other challenges that i don't have that i could never envision and while yes there are students that i will watch in awe i don't expect to be as good as them or to be able to do the things that they do but i could watch them forever <laughs> and i think that's the thing like the comparison really is the thief of joy and for me participating in ballet really my goal at the end of the day is to bring back the joy of ballet yes and it's so funny, one person will tell me, oh, that person did that exercise so beautiful. And then that same person who was doing the exercise will go, oh, that other person did. Everyone, everyone sets themselves these oh, yes. strange markers and yeah. strange barriers and strange, um, you know, milestones that they have to hit before a certain time. And it's yep. like, you've actually got all the time in the world, especially that is the beauty of adult ballet. Exactly. We are not on a strict schedule where we have to peak at 17 to mm. get the pre-professional company <laughs> offers. Thank no. goodness. Thank God. I mean, if that was any kind of goal of mine, no, I would not be doing ballet. Mm. No. And I'll name drop somebody here, um, somebody who does exactly that. Other people will look at them and go, that was beautiful. They've been working so hard. But every time Gwen will shake her head as she walks off the stage and goes, no, I did something wrong. And we're like, yeah. no, no, you looked amazing. Yeah. Be a little less critical of yourself. Oh, hi, Gwen. She'll yes. be listening. She always she listens will. to the podcast. She is gorgeous. I... Um, I have to ask you the famous question because mm -hmm. I feel like this is a good place to wrap it up. Yes. I've really loved this conversation. Um, and it also, what's nice is it'll give people a little insight into really the cool people like yourself that make <laughs> up my in-person classes. And it's really nice sitting across from you on the table. I've been doing too many Zoom interviews. That's why I haven't mm. done many interviews lately. I feel very drained doing them through the computer. It's hard work. Yeah, it just doesn't feel very special sometimes or personal doesn't feel like the coffee chat that this feels like totally yeah but um yes famous question mm -hmm. what keeps you balanced virginia 
Uh, moving meditation in some way or another, whether that is coming to class or going out for a short walk, um, going out and collecting the eggs from the chickens. So long as that I am moving in a way that lets my brain breathe, mm. that is what keeps me going and what keeps me balanced. I love when you bring me eggs. Yes, <laughs> tomorrow. Excellent. I've got them sitting on the bench. <laughs> I love it. The ones you brought me, was it last week? Even had a feather in them. Yes. <laughs> so farm fresh. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me at demipoint underscore dancewear on Instagram. You can find me on Etsy, although it is easier to Google me than to go through the rigmarole of the Etsy search engine. So just Google demipoint dancewear and, and I'm the first up. listing that comes up. Can't recommend you highly enough. And Thank yes, you. people always ask me, where does everyone in your, in your studio get their skirts from? And I just flick them your page, so... Thank you so much. And thank you for supporting me over the years. I don't think this business would be what it is without your not-so-gentle pushes sometimes. <laughs> I can be very, very um, pushy. Yeah. But it comes from love. It does. And it's, it's always been a very positive change. Oh, no, thank you. And I just, on a personal note, just appreciate you always being there for me. So you've seen some hard parts of this business yes. and you've always been there for me. So thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you.